And to Jesus be all the glory today. Thank you for joining me, my wonderful partner. You are family to me, absolutely family. I am so glad today we're talking about something very important. How to have a good conscience, how to have a clear conscience before the Lord. And this is going to really be a blessing to you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Oh, dearest Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Wonderful Jesus, we give you all the praise. All the honor and the glory and dominion belongs to you, dearest, precious Jesus. Amen. What a wonderful Savior we have to serve him. What a joy. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 2, please. Take your Bibles and go with me to Romans chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 12 through verse 16. It says, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. As many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Watch verse 15. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. What this says is our conscience is that inner prompting to do what we think is right and to avoid what we think is wrong. So it's an inner voice that is bearing witness to us, accusing us if we are wrong, or defending us when we are right. That's what verse 15 says. It says, their conscience bears them witness, meaning our conscience, when we do right, defends us, when we do wrong, does not defend us. While accusing or else accusing, excusing one another, meaning our conscience accusing us or defending us. Now, let's go to 1 Timothy very quickly, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want to explain something to you that is so beautiful in the Word of God. You see, if we pay attention to the promptings uh, that God has put in our hearts, uh, then we will, we will have a clear conscience. But we have to pay attention to these things. I think the Lord has put in each one of us human beings a radar where we know right from wrong. And when we do wrong... We feel it, we know it, we sense it. Our conscience says this is wrong. When we do right, it says we are right. Paul tells Timothy 
in 1 Timothy 1.5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. It's very important for us as believers to have a good conscience. Now, you know, when you look at the Bible, let's turn to Hebrews now. Hebrews chapter 10 for a moment. And let's look at verse 22. There's a lot in the Bible about this, by the way. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So that is that inner voice that speaks to us. And the Bible tells us how to have a clear conscience. In fact, we just read a part here in in Hebrews that talks about having our hearts sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, that is, from an evil conscience. So let's talk about the conscience in general. So God put it within us when we were born. And it's quite reliable. A lot of people uh, ignore sometimes, as they call it, my gut feeling, my gut feeling. Well, it's more than the gut feeling. It's it's the conscience that God has put in us. It's a a radar that really works. And how to have one that, you know, is working good to we're not making mistakes in life. So what we feed our mind uh, when it comes to right and wrong, what we feed our mind, will determine how our conscience will work. Like a computer, you know, if you feed it with the right information, it will come up with the right answers. But you have to put in it the right information. So when we were young, our parents told us, this is right, this is wrong. Or our teachers told us, this is right, this is wrong. But we learned it as we were growing up. And then as we grew up, uh, our inner voice was telling us, don't do that or do this. Yeah, this is good. No, this is bad. Now we we are believers. We've come to know the Lord. We've come to know his blessed word. And we are saved. The moment we are saved, the Holy Spirit uses that inner knowing by convicting us. Let's let's look at John, John 16. See, the Holy Spirit uses that God-given inner voice that every human being has. Now, God uses it when we come to know the Lord. Just, in fact, before we know the Lord, that's when the Holy Spirit begins to, to speak to us through our conscience. And then later on, when we know the Lord, he, he, he keeps using that in our life continually. And then, of course, as we grow in the Lord, now it becomes stronger to know the right decisions in life and the wrong decisions in life. But let's go to John 16, and we're going to look, we're going to look at verse 8. What did the Lord say about the Holy Spirit? He said, and when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. 
so he will convict or he will reprove the world. He'll convince them. So here's the Holy Spirit using that God-given inner voice to tell humanity, no, this is wrong. No, this is sin. Now, those that don't know the Lord uh, will not do the right thing. But when God has chosen them for life eternal, he will lead them closer and closer to the cross till one day they are saved. And then they begin to do the right thing, not only for the Lord, but also in their life. Because people often do the wrong thing in their, in their life because you know, they, they don't sometimes know what is right or, and what is wrong. And like I said earlier, it's, it's what you feed your mind with like a computer, when you give it the right information, it'll, it'll give you the right answers. So uh, when, when people grow up and they are fed the wrong information all the time, they're not gonna make the right answers. They're not gonna make the right decisions. They're, they're not gonna do the right thing. So it's the convicting of the Holy Spirit, in our case, that brought us to the Lord. And, and it, was, it was that inner voice God used so when we receive God's word more and more, then what happens is our conscience becomes more and more, let's say, enlightened. So when we say, well, how to have a good, clear conscience, maybe a better way to say it is how to have an enlightened conscience. Because even people living uh, in unbelief sometimes make good decisions. Uh, for themselves because of the way they were brought up, maybe because they had good, good, good fathers, good mommies, good teachers in school who showed them right from wrong. Um, but when you and I are saved, when we come to the Lord, our conscience becomes enlightened. So we're able to make decisions that are uh, enlightened by God. And so how do we, how do we, get that type of, uh, of enlightened mind. Now, not all Christians, by the way, even the Bible says so, not all Christians will have an enlightened, strong conscience. Some of them, the Bible says, even have a weak one. Now, this is talking about believers, not unbelievers. So it is possible to be a believer without a strong, clear conscience. First uh, Corinthians 8, for example, uh, beginning at verse 7, Paul talks about believers who did not have a strong, clear conscience about certain things. He says, how be it, there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. So here are believers with a weak conscience who are not able to live with an enlightened, pure conscience. But Paul says, but meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. 
But then he says, uh, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak in their conscience. So we have to be careful not to offend those who don't have a strong, clear, enlightened conscience. Because maybe they lack the knowledge of the word. Because when you read this, this uh, amazing verse, it's, it, it says, there's not in every man that knowledge. So not everyone knows the word of God. Even back then, 2,000 years ago, some people in the church in, in Corinth didn't really have the knowledge of the Lord like they should have had. And so they walked with a weak conscience. And uh, it brought them, uh, you know, a defiled conscience. Like Paul says, they were defiled. And I think sometimes when we don't know uh, what the Bible says, we not only end up with a weak conscience, we can actually end up with a sinful one too that is defiled. And uh, eventually it could really harm uh, somebody's walk with the Lord. And maybe I'm talking to somebody right now who's going through that. So how do we, how do we receive uh, that conscience? Okay, now, you know, Romans 8.1 says there is therefore now no condemnation, but there are people today you know and, and I know that are not free from condemnation. Why? Because their conscience is weak. So when people are always guilty, when they don't know that the promises of God are truly yea and amen, they're going to be condemning themselves when God already has forgiven them. I remember a lady who came to one of my early meetings and she was getting saved almost every Monday night because I had Monday night meetings. And one day I went down, I said, my dear lady, I said, uh, I see you every time I, I have an altar call, you're down at the altar. I said, uh, don't you believe the Bible that you already are saved? And she was really so distraught. She said, well, I just want to make sure that I'm saved. I said, yeah, but you don't have to come every single service I, that I've had here to be saved all over again. Why, I said, oh, she said, I'm so guilty. I'm so guilty of what I've done. And she went on to tell me about all the things she did wrong and her sins and this and this. She was crying. And I said, well, how, you know, how long has this been going on? She said, 28 years. Imagine for 28 years that poor woman didn't have freedom, didn't, didn't have peace and joy in the Lord. She was condemning herself. What, what did she have? A weak conscience. She did not really know and believe the word of God. So the word of God is very, very clear on what we need to do. So let's begin with the first one, okay? If you want to have a clear conscience, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read verse 17, first of all. That's the first key. I'm, I'm going to give you seven keys to having a good, clear, enlightened conscience. Number one, it says this. And I'm reading verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So fellowship with God. That's, that's the first thing. Fellowship with God daily gives us a clear, strong, enlightened conscience. If we neglect the, the presence of God, we, we're going to end up with a very weak one. And because it gets weaker, the less time we spend with God, the weaker our, our conscience becomes. So the more time we spend with the Lord, the stronger uh, we become in our, in our inner conscience, the, the clearer. Number two, our faith. 
So when faith is strong, the conscience is strong and clear. And we all know what it says about faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing the word. So that is Romans 10, 17. The Bible, when we begin to really read it and believe it, it will produce faith. And faith is what gives us a clear, powerful, enlightened conscience. Well, we don't have that negativity in our life. Number three, um, and this is really important, let's go to 1 John 1, 1 John chapter 1. And I hope you're, you are writing all this down. So 1 John 1 verse 9, that says what? It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So uh, we, need to have, uh, we need to have a very short list with God. In other words, don't wait to confess your sin. We confess it right away. When we confess our sin immediately, our list is very, very short. And the shorter your list is, the clearer your conscience is. But when people do not confess sin right away, now guilt gets in there. And when guilt gets in there, it just builds. And the more it builds, the weaker they get. The more it builds, the more defiled it gets. So uh, confessing our sin is so important. That's why it says, if we confess, it's our choice. He's faithful and just to forgive us and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's that's number three. Number Number four, we need to know the power of the blood because the blood of Jesus has incredible power to cleanse us from a defiled conscience. Look what it says in verse, uh, in chapter 9, Hebrews 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It's very hard to serve the Lord with a weak conscience. It's very hard to trust him for the needs to be met in other people's lives that you're ministering to when your own conscience is not clear and strong. You know, we cannot give away what we don't have. We, we cannot give away life if we're not living it. We cannot give away liberty if we're not living it. We cannot give away strength if we don't have it. So we need to have a clear conscience. When I get up on those platforms around the world, if I'm questioning the law, how can I, if I'm questioning the Bible, how can I preach it with faith and confidence? When my dad went to be with the Lord, my mom had a real tough time. They just got saved a few years before that. Her walk with God was not yet strong. My father died when he was 58. And uh, it was a tough time for my family. And I'll never forget uh, my, my brothers and sisters, my mom saying, why did God allow it? Such, such, such. I was the only one in that home that knew the Bible well enough to say, you know, don't blame God. Uh, Dad smoked all the times we knew him, sometimes two uh, packs a day. He died with lung cancer, so we don't blame God for that. 
God is not the kind of God who would take the cigarette out of his mouth for him. Even though my father was saved, he had to make his own decision about smoking. But he kept smoking. He had a hard time stopping. And then finally he died, very young. It took my mom quite a while to understand that. Finally I said, Mom, listen. Dad chose to smoke. God will not force him to stop smoking. He has to stop it on his own to know that this is wrong for his body. We, we, we cannot blame God for choices we make in life. For example, uh, a young lady that, uh, that I knew broke her neck one time when she went swimming because she jumped into the shallow end of the pool. And uh, people were upset, like, how can God allow it? And my answer is, you think God will turn the pool around just because she did not check the depth of the water? She made that decision to jump in the shallow end and ended up with a broken neck, sadly, and ended up on a wheelchair. So we cannot blame God. We know that from Scripture, that God Almighty is a good God. He's not going to cause harm to come here. He... He, you know, he actually protects us from harm, and when we allow harm, uh, God, you know, often will just, you know, come and heal us and take care of us and restore us. In some cases, uh, you know, things don't don't happen the way we want them to. But God, who is all loving and perfect, knows the right things to do. His will be done, you know. But we have to understand that you and 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 myself. Uh, only, only the Word of God gives us that right understanding. And the blood of the Lord will cleanse us and cleanse our conscience from dead works. And the longer we know Him, the stronger our conscience becomes. The longer uh, and we become more aware of the way He is and so forth. So, now, number five. Number five, we have to be doers of the Word. James chapter 1, let's go to James chapter 1, and I hope this is really helping you, okay? And verse 22, it says this. It says, be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving your own selves. So when we are, when we are doers of the word, we, we're, we're obeying that inner voice that God now is using it to speak to us. God uses... Our, our inner voice, he speaks to us through that. Even though we were born with it, before we were saved, God did not use it to speak to us. It's just what we knew from growing up from our parents that told us right from wrong. But now God uses that inner, inner you know, radar to show us, no, don't do that, or yes, do that. And so he, he speaks by, by giving us that witness in our inner conscience, in our inner man. So when we are doers of the word and we obey the word of God that is talking to us in our being, then we will develop a stronger and stronger conscience. Number, number six, we, we, we have to walk in the light. You know, uh, in, in, in 1 John, let's go back again to 1 John one more time, chapter 1. And in verse 7, we read this beautiful portion. If we walk in the light as he is in, in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will cleanse us from all sin. But what does it mean to walk in the light? It means to walk with an open heart, sensitive 
to the voice of the Lord and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So to walk in the light means to walk in fellowship, to walk with an open heart, listening to God, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, listening to that you know, still small voice in us that, that, that God you know, speaks through. And, and walking in the light is very important to keeping a strong, clear, enlightened conscience. Number seven, and that is something that is so beautiful, is mentioned in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 24, verse 16, where, where Paul, in giving his defense, said these words. He said, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. So Paul is saying, I'm striving always to keep my conscience clear, uh, void of offense, that I want to be always one that has a clear, strong, enlightened conscience towards the Lord and towards men. So we need to have that same uh, determination to always have that kind of clear, strong conscience. And I believe the way we really do that is we pray what David prayed in, in Psalm 139. Because the way we can make that decision to have a clear-cut, strong conscience, when we can make the right decisions, because when people don't have the right conscience, they're always condemning themselves, first of all. And then they're always making the wrong moves in life. But a clear conscience is such a valuable thing to have because it protects us. But we need to pray also. Uh, let's, let's look at verse 23 and 24 of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Try me, Lord, and know my anxious thoughts, is the Hebrew. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And then, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. And I think every one of us needs to ask God daily, Lord, search my thoughts. Try me. Know my thoughts today. If there be any wicked way in me, Lord, reveal it. Deliver me from it. And lead me to your way everlasting. How beautiful. And he begins that uh, psalm, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Wow. We used to, to, to sing a beautiful song when, when, when I got saved. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be a wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Pray that prayer, will you? In fact, let's just pray it now. Lord, search each one of us. Try our hearts today. See if there's any wicked way in us, Lord, and deliver us from that wicked way and lead us to your way everlasting. Would you pray that prayer? Just say, Lord, search me. Know my heart today. Know my thoughts, I pray. 
if there be any wicked way in me, Lord, deliver me and lead me to your way everlasting. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, I pray this has been a blessing to you today. I sure was blessed by teaching the word today to you. And now I'm going to ask you to give to the work of the Lord because it's his command. The Lord commanded us in his work to give to his work because he said it so clearly in the Old and New Testament. Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses will burst out with new wine. Now that's in the Old Testament. And Jesus said, give. It shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give to your bosom. And Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. And God always will give seed to the sower. So now it's time to obey the Lord and his blessed word. Lord, bless them as they give. In the name of Jesus today, Lord, prosper them, increase them on every side. Be no lack in their life, no lack in their future or their family's future. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can give on the platform you're watching me on, or you can go to our website, benhin.org, or you can text BHM45777 if you want to send your donation in the mail, send it to Benihin Ministries, Post Office Box 612000, Dallas, Texas 75261. Keep giving, and God has promised to send you the harvest. Believe Him today.